Okay, let's do this. Here's a shocker for you. When it comes to giving out money uh, so that people can start new businesses, certain people in this country get the money and certain people in this country don't get the money. And yes, it's easier to get rich. It's easier to be successful in business if you have access to capital. Duh, right? I mean, look, Donald Trump is now worth, what, about $2 billion or something like that? He began with almost half a billion dollars left to him by his dad. Good for him. I wish I had had a dad who had left me something like that. So he started with almost half a billion, really, to be fair. It was more like $400 million. Elon Musk's dad owned an emerald plant. Que lindo, eh? Que rico. How easy is that? Jeff Bezos got started. By the way, he's the poor guy in this group compared to the rest of them. Apparently, he got a loan from his dad for $400,000. Still, $400,000. I mean, think about that. You know how many young, lower-income entrepreneurs would have loved, would have been doing backflips if they had been given $400,000 to start their business? So, yes, that's the big differentiator here. And what about loans? Here's one for you. Despite being the fastest growing, we've talked about this, right? Listen to me. Despite being we, Latinos in America, being the fastest growing segment of the U.S. small business ecosystem, right? Where we we start businesses at a faster rate than anybody in America. We hire people at a faster rate than anybody in America. Latinos continue to struggle to secure capital from national banks. They don't give it up. That's according to the State of Latino Entrepreneurship. That's the most recent study done by, you know, the folks over at Stanford, the folks that you and I have talked to in the past, who you know put out this study. And it's a, it's a, it's a fascinating study on entrepreneurship in America. Over the last couple of years, five to be exact, um, we've really been able to drill down on this situation and the challenges that are facing the Latino segment in the United States. And, and I'll, give you, I'll give you some stats here. Ready for this? According to the Stanford report, Only 20% of Latino-owned businesses that applied for national bank loans of more than $100,000 got the funding. 20%, let me say that again. 20% of the people who are Latino in America who applied for a bank loan got the money. 50% of Anglo-Europeans who applied for the same loans got the money. So let's do this again. Ready? 20% para nosotros, 50%. For los otros, 20% versus 50%. I mean, that's that's an impressive number. And, and it's a differentiator, right? Nobody's crying. Nobody's going to do the victimization thing. Wah, wah, wah. Or, you know, we get it. We just have to work a little harder. We got to go to our cousins. Or we got to meet somebody like Beatriz Acevedo, who is the CEO and the co-founder of Suma Wealth, who we welcome to this podcast because she knows a little bit about this. I think so. As a matter of fact, it's really great to talk to her because she can talk to us about this situation. Did I explain it right or did I miss something? It was perfect. It was brilliant. Uh, as depressing as it is, those are the numbers. And I think on the positive side, because I always sort of like to focus on the positive side, even when we get that little capital, even when we are the lowest in the pay gap as Latinas, even with everything against us, We are still the ones launching more companies. We're still hustling. We're still working harder than anybody else. 
So, you know, that says something about our community, right? That says something about our work ethic, our passion, our drive. But imagine the possibilities, I always like to say. If we were paid equal, if we had the same opportunities as everyone else to not always start the race way from the back of everyone else, um, it would be a very different situation. And why this matters to non-Latinos is because you know, to your point with all the stats that you just gave us, it is this community who is going to be really working hard for all Americans, right? Carrying that social security and retirement in their back. So Latinos have to succeed so everyone else in America can succeed. And I think that's something that we don't say enough. You know, it's funny that you talk about that because it does seem still that the, uh, the impression, the image that people have of Latinos is not necessarily one of empresarios, not necessarily one of business people or business uh, success stories. It always seems to be that they consider us just the opposite. I know Hollywood has something to do with that because that's the way that we are presented. But still, y you would think that alone or something that's as tangible that should be metrically uh, metrically. Uh, 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 come to, right? Somebody should just look at the numbers. Who is this person? What can they do? Are they a good investment or not? But that's not the way they look at it. I think even bankers bring with them an image problem. And we have still an image problem, which by the way, is not our fault, correct? I mean, perception is reality, unfortunately. And what you said about media is absolutely true. I mean, everybody has a bias. If you have a brain, you have a bias. So that's just innate, innate in us. But when you grow up seeing the images of who others think that we are, uh, there's something in your mind that makes you believe that even for really well-intentioned people. I was yesterday at a dinner where they're giving all these amazing grants and opportunities to Latino youth. So everyone in the dinner really wants our community to succeed. Uh, but there was a moment when they looked at the numbers and they said, listen, the interns and the college students highly enrolled in, col in community colleges in Los Angeles are Latinos like at a 60%. And somebody said, very well-intentioned, oh, we need to translate the applications for jobs in Spanish. And I thought, what? No, <laughs> you don't need to do that. Like, there was the bias, right? And unconscious bias, for sure. Because like I say, these people are incredibly charitable, giving out so much for our community. But I'm like, first of all, if the kid, these kids are in college, so how could they go through college if they didn't speak English? One. Second, we're connecting them to jobs like how could we connect them to a job in technology in these high network tech companies if they didn't speak english like the fact that you're the first thing that your mind went to was let's quickly translate the work application <laughs> made zero sense but again the bias is big you know the just the the, the unconscious bias because that was definitely an unconscious one and that's what I'm talking about. And these are numbers I know you understand. These are metrics that I know you know. 90%, pardon me, I got that wrong. 95% of Latinos in America under the age of 41 speak English. 95% of Latinos under the age of 41 in America speak English. 80% of Latinos, period, are U.S. citizens in America. We are the third fastest growing economy in the world from a GDP ranking only behind China and India and ahead of the United States itself. These are powerful numbers. 
Why doesn't anybody know these things, Beatriz? Well, that's my frustration too, because I'm like, okay, you would think that with the data, you know, arming people with data and for them to look at the numbers, it would be a no brainer. But yet, even with the data, I, I, I have a theory um, because listen, when I go to my doctor and he gives me the data that if I exercise more, eat better, sleep more, I'm going to have a healthier lifestyle, I'm going to live longer. Do I believe the data from my doctor? Yes, I believe it, but I still don't do it, right? I'll, maybe I'll make the change once there's some really painful motivation. And I think that is what it's going to take for America to change, where they could literally see how many millions, billions, trillions of dollars they're losing not being in business with our community. But until that happens, change is hard, right? Change is just too uncomfortable. So if they don't need to change, and we tend to be the calladita, te ves más bonita, demographic primarily for Latinas where we're never really pushing anybody uh, of what we truly deserve in every single way. We deserve those boards. We deserve to be the CEOs. We deserve the capital. We're so deserving, but we're so grateful. And I think that because they can get away with it's not broken, let's not fix it yet because, you know, we're underrepresented in media, like you say, but we still show up to the movies, right? We're not like other cohorts that say, nobody's gonna go we go and we bring the family along so it's like listen if it's not broken don't fix it it's tough that change is tough these people still show up these people are still consuming our content they're still buying our products and we don't need to make a change so and they do have the data they do look at the numbers they do know they need to be engaged with us but there hasn't been a pain point yet to make them change so i think just like me uh, with my doctor, I mean, recently I got diagnosed, sadly, with atrial fibrillation. So that's a pretty, you know, serious condition. Am I exercising? Hell yeah. Am I eating better? Yeah. Am I sleeping better? Yes. Right. But it took something that was very scary and very serious for me to really put that data to work. How hard was it for you to get over the hump? Because you are a very successful, considered nationally as one of the most successful Latino women. You've really done it because, and by the way, when I listened to your story, and I spent a long time listening to your story over the past 48 hours, I know you give a lot of credit to other people. In our case, we built Cano Health, for example, Dr. Hernandez and Dr. Aguilar and myself. We're now a publicly traded company. It's a $4.4 billion company. We started with absolutely nothing, begging for money from people. And finally, it was Saul Trujillo who came and said, I trust you guys. I believe in what you're doing, and I'm going to write you a check for a couple million dollars. Without that, we're nothing. But we got it from a fellow Latino. What do you tell to other Latinos out there who are listening to us, Latinos and Latinas, who say, you know what? It's really important to find the source of income to capitalize your company. What do you, what's the advice that you give those people? Well, listen, I mean, obviously we need to do a much better job supporting one another in our community. I think that there has been so much scarcity and, and that scarcity mentality that we have, primarily the older generations like myself. You see there's three Latinas on public boards you know, the idea of bringing younger Latinas in is not that appealing, right? It's like, well, it took me a long time to get here. I did it on my own. Nobody helped me and I'm going to help nobody else. My mentality is very, very different. I definitely think that there's room for many more than three. 
Uh, I go out of my way to mentor the next generation of Latinas and Latinos in every area possible that I can. And I think that that will only add to our collective power as a community. It can be three of us. There needs to be millions of us in these jobs, in these venture capital firms, in the CEOs, in the C-suites. And we're not there yet. But until we really infiltrate at a massive number, and we will get there just by demographics alone, but why wait 20 years? When we have the opportunity, if you are in a position of privilege, this is what I, to your answer, to, to answer your question, what do I tell this, our community? If you are in a position of privilege as a Latino, and we know that is only one to 2% in most industries, it is your absolute responsibility to bring in that bench, that next generation that is, that's going to succeed you and that is going to make sure that your kids and your grandkids are in a very different place than you were fighting on your own, trying to make it. So for me, it's let's change that mentality, that, you know, that theory of or that tale of like the crabs that just bring each other down. And let's pump everybody else up because collective power is really not only what we need, but what we deserve in our community. You know, one of the things that bothers me that I hear all the time, and I hear it mostly, by the way, from non-Latinos, and they say this almost like a point of pride, like they know us better than we know ourselves. And it makes me furious when I hear this. They're always saying that we're not the same, that we're not alike, that, look, West Coast Latinos and East Coast Latinos are two completely different people, and a Honduran and a Guatemalan are different, and an Argentinian and a Venezuelan are different, and a Mexican and a Cuban are completely different. No, we're not. No, we're not. We got a hell of a lot more in common than most Americans, as a matter of fact. We tend to vote more the same. We tend to attend the kind, the same kind of churches. We tend to uh, speak the same, the same language. So, you know, I, I wish we could, I personally push back on that every time I hear it. And it infuriates me, especially when I hear it from a fellow Latino or Latina. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think we have... Obviously, right, somebody might eat, eat something that is very different in one culture than the other, or you might call a straw something very different in Venezuela than in Mexico than in Cuba. But that, those are very small differences. I think on the things that really matter, our values, our culture, our family, our tradition, our pride, our hard work, all those things that we have in common are very big things that unite us. So to say that a California person is the same as a New Yorker, they're not. But, you know, we're not telling them. But they're both Americans. But they're both Americans. And nobody's going around, Beatriz, telling all Americans, oh, you're not monolithic. All Americans are not. But we hear that about us all the time. All the time. I, I think that's much more, you know, when I hear it and I, I understand how it's justifiable is when there hasn't been sort of like an inclusive effort to... You know, I, I, and I'm Mexican, so I, I fully understand that everything is, you know, tacos and tortillas and piñatas and lucha libre and loteria. And it annoys some of the people who are not Mexican. And they're like, hey, it would be nice to add a arepa next to the gordita so we could be identified. But the reality is those are very, you know, small things that we should be mindful of. We should exactly. be mindful when we produce our shows to have... Cubans, Mexicans, Afro-Latinos, like there's so much, but as richness, as contributions, but not as something that really separates us. But it's exciting that you're brought together by, you know, differences in our cultures that 
only make you stronger. Finally, um, I need to ask you what you would say to a young Latina right now out there who wants to follow in your footsteps, and the footsteps, by the way, of many other Latina businesswomen, including the ones that sit on the board of Cano Health, who are Latinas. We say that with pride. Um, what do you say to them? What's the advice to them if they want to start a business, especially when they've looked at themselves and say, I don't have any in my family who's rich. I don't know anybody who could write me a check for $100,000, no less even $10,000. Where do I go? What do I do? How do I start? I mean, the good news is that there are so many more support networks today than there were five years ago, 10, 20 years ago. They definitely did not exist. So there are groups of investors who are angels who were not around five years ago, who now you can, you know, not only go there for capital, but also for mentorship. These are people in our community who have exited other tech companies and really have come together to want to invest. I mean, Latitude also has a fund. I mean, there's so many Chingona Ventures has a fund. The majority of my own investors are Latinas and Latinos. We are a 100% diverse cap table, primarily Latino owned. So we're very proud of that. And you don't have to always be overly explaining why our community matters like you do to other investors. So I would say do your research because now more than ever, uh, there are new groups or new venture companies. And there's also a lot of grants. We give a lot of grants through my foundation and I know other foundation for non-dilutive capital for, for, for founders who are Latinos in the U.S. And there's more resources. Sometimes, you know, drives me crazy to see and to hear that the Latinos didn't show up. And I'm like, well, where are you promoting this? Where you are advertising this? Because we don't know about a lot of the opportunities. So the few that are out there, I really encourage people to look out for. I mean, I'm always promoting them in my own social media on LinkedIn. So like, if you want to know of all the opportunities for Latinos, I'm constantly posting there. Um, and there are, there are these mentorships, there are these grants, there are these non-dilutive opportunities and also the traditional venture route. But I feel like today more than ever, there are more of us wanting to support the next generation of Latinos with capital, with mentorship and with access. And just to just to close it out, I also want to go back to something I didn't answer, but it's related to this of why, what would I tell a Latina or anybody wanting to start a business or how did I do it? I think that for me, it served me really well, although this is going to sound so strange to you, Rick, that I didn't know the data. I didn't know that being an immigrant, being a Latina, having an accent, because now accent also plays not in your favor, um, was going to get me into a number that was like less than 1% of getting funded. I had no idea of those stats. So I went in like, I don't know, La India Maria into these VC funds, just thinking it was going to be easy. But I had that mindset of, you know, if everybody in this room does not look like me, if there are no Latinos here, if there are no women here, this is amazing. You know, my, my, I would pump myself up thinking I've got this, you know, nobody knows my, nobody knows my community better. And I hear a lot of the Latinas and Latinos in our community feeling very small, feeling little, feeling like, oh my God, I'm the only Latino, I'm the only Latina, I'm the only one this, I'm, the, I'm so intimidated. And I understand, I don't want to invalidate their feeling, but I do want to challenge them into changing that mindset of you are what make your differences are your big superpower and opportunity. Because 
you know our market, you know the problem you're solving better than anybody else, right? So instead of feeling small, you need to walk into these rooms and take as much room as possible. Walk in there with a lot of confidence. I always say white man swagger. And, you know, make sure your presence um, is there, right? And make sure that you bring that passion and that knowledge um, of what you are doing and what you are building. And for me, that's been my key, you know, in, in raising capital. I mean, thank God, and I'm incredibly privileged and lucky that, you know, my rounds have always been oversubscribed, that now I get to pick my investors, which I always would pick a Latino investor. Um, and, you know, it's worked for me. So at least it's good, it's good to give it a try um, instead of feeling like, oh, I'm less for being the only one. No, you are more for being different and for coming where you come from. That's that's fantastic, and I think really fantastic advice. And I, uh, you know, I uh, I give you kudos, props, as we like to say, for uh, for all that you've done, and for all the people that you've helped uh, along the way. Beatriz Acevedo, CEO, co-founder of uh, Suma Wealth. Um, well, let me say this: uh, we're going to continue to do this. I think, as I mentioned to Beatriz, you know, I decided after uh, our company went public that I wanted to not just retire and sit around and play golf like maybe I should do, or sometimes my wife says I should do. And uh, I wanted to do something bigger. I wanted to give back. I wanted to make sure that we're fighting for this cause that makes me really angry sometimes when I hear the things that people say about us as a Latino community in the United States. So here we are. Uh, join us. Uh, subscribe to this where you're watching us right now and check out my podcast. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple. It's everywhere that you get your podcast because we think here at Agua Media that it's important for us to kind of uh, luchar, fight back, defendernos, you know, defend ourselves from some of the things that are happening and empower all of us because there's so much opportunity and we are that important. So I say thank you to Beatriz. I say thank you to you and vamos. It's all about your attitude Agua 